spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 164th annual Subliminal Reception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm Joe pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Ah, not doing too bad. I there's something I needed to talk about off the top. Um, it's kind of a I don't know if we want to call it a conspiracy theory, but it's a conspiracy theory involving you that hit me last night. Now, okay, I, <laughs> I was watching the historical documentary. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? A lot of, yes. lot of history in there. Now, I remember you mentioning that you watched that as a young man. In my head, I was like, what if this movie had changed your life so much that you really got into history later in life? Could that be possible that Bill and Ted warped your mind from a, from a young, young Phil? I mean, it's possible, you know, I mean, maybe I jumped on the back of that whole uh, wild stallions religion. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good religion, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it had everything, you know, even had uh, what George Carlson as its leader. That was pretty cool. Uh, so I haven't I I it was on. I never actually finished the whole movie. And yesterday I, I just watched the whole thing and I'm like, it's corny. But it's yes. pretty good. Yeah, it is corny, especially watching it nowadays. I mean, you do get nostalgic kind of like watching it. Remember watching it as a kid. But I mean, back in the day, that was quite the fucking movie. Like, everyone loved it. So okay. okay, I haven't watched the second one yet. Um, is it better than the first? It is. I would say it's on par. So usually a sequel is either much better. Most of the time it's, it's much worse. Yeah. That is about the same. I would okay. say that the third one that they just made, I, I really did not think it was as good as the first two. So, I mean, when they're trying to like recapture something 20 years later, or 30 or whatever, yes. usually it doesn't hold up. Um, the other thing I want to talk about quick, oh, go ahead. What I was going to say quick too is, so the Circle K in Tempe, the one where they, the filming location that they used for the Circle K in the movies actually just shut down. They're just really? shutting it down now. Do they have, did they just like put a phone booth outside just for like that memory? Well, they, so they've tried to keep it the exact same way it was back when they did the filming of those movies. So I imagine they probably still do have like a corny, like, you know, kind of phone booth that you can film yourself out of, like do take pictures and stuff in, but they are shutting that one down. It even has like, still has the old circle K design that they used to have during the nineties, though. A lot of circle K's are so dilapidated now. They just haven't been updated in 20 years. <laughs> so it's kind of not alone. You know, most I, circle K's are shit. Well, as you too. know, we, we don't really have them around here, but. When I visited mm. you in California, I 
did get accustomed to the Circle K's. Yes, you get accustomed also to homeless people on bicycles, kind of like just hanging out asking for money for gas, <laughs> even though they're on their bicycle. Yeah. They're asking for gas money. Yeah, you get that too. Uh, also, one quick thing. I watched maybe one of the weirdest movies I ever have. Um, do you remember seeing the trailers or have seen the movie Men? Uh, possibly. Okay, it's... Uh, A24, I don't know if you know them. They kind of made like uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. Yes. And th- those. Yep. So you kind of get an idea of the movies they kind of. Pr- yeah. yeah. It's so weird. I don't. Maybe we'll give it a little while to see if people watch it, but uh, maybe I'll tell you off the air because I highly doubt you ever watch it. But there's uh there's a scene in the end and it's kind of just like, what the fuck is going on here? Okay, what's the gist of the movie? So you said the name Men. What is like just a ten, like a twenty-second rundown? So basically, it's uh, a wife who wants to divorce her husband. Her husband's threatening to kill himself. Um, I I think he. It's hard to tell, but it seems like he did kill himself because of a fight they had. And then it's kind of like her going through the guilt and trying to start a new life. I guess. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But there's a so lo- it's kind of like a like one of those little character pieces. Yeah. Kind of. Very okay. symbolic. A lot of like stuff left up for interpretation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that that studio is kind of known for that. Where <laughs> kind of like Midsummer. Yeah. Where a lot of stuff is left up to your interpretation. And the internet will, you know, you hope that kind of the the director let the internet know kind of like what little meanings are like the ending right. of midsummer trying yeah. to figure out the ending of that movie. Yeah. What do you, okay. Quick, quick. What do you think? Was she in on it or was she not in on it? Midsummer? Yeah. Um, Cause she smiles when <laughs> everybody's getting burned up. Oh, um, well definitely. I don't think she started in on it at the beginning, but definitely towards the end, she was all for it. Like, Whatever she was, she was in for a fucking pound at that point. Wanted her uh, boyfriend to be burned alive in a bear suit, just like oh uh, yeah. Well, she was still pissed about him fucking that uh, ginger in yeah. front of those old women. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what, guys, be careful out there, uh, and and anybody, just uh, be careful if you cheat on your partner. Maybe you'll get burned alive in a bear suit. But uh, Phil, are you you ready for this week's episode? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. This week, we are going to be delving into the death of a man who was extremely famous and well-known and still is to this day. Even though it is uh, more than likely, most people probably haven't watched his movies. He was just so good at his craft that he just kind of became synonymous. You hear the name, you know his reputation. And the gentleman I'm alluding to is the master of martial arts films, Bruce Lee, and the mysterious circumstances surrounding his death. Now, Phil, Bruce Lee movies, are they, do you like them or not? Yeah, I mean, they are, they're classic movies. It's one of those things where it's not something that you see kind of like, not something that you're going to see like, oh, it's on TBS, I'll watch it. You know, it's not one of those movies. It's kind of a movie where, if you like Bruce Lee movies, you really like them. Yeah. You know, I, it's hard to say, you know, I, 
for me, I like, you know, a good fight scene in the movie or whatever, but I think Bruce Lee just had such a unique style that is different from, you know, obviously you got like Jackie Chan, you got Jet Li, um, but something about Bruce just, because I think he, he really, as we'll find out, he was an actor, but also martial arts were, was his life. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, his movies, so it's kind of like that situation. It's the same as Pulp Fiction, Scarface, you know, like those types of movies. It's not just a movie that you like, like you have posters up on, you know, like Enter the Dragon. Like you really, really like his movie. Um, I really think that kind of almost like he resonated with people just because he was the first major like martial arts, like movie star. Right. Like that was kind of that was kind of like his thing, you know. And we'll find out. Um martial arts in America was especially kung fu um was kind of a secret as we're, we'll but we'll we'll kind of get into that later. Um we'll start here. Uh Jun okay. Jun Fan Lee was born on November 27th, 1940. His English name would be Bruce June Fonley. Bruce was born at the Jackson Street Hospital in San Francisco's Chinatown area. Now, a fascinating aspect of his birth was that Bruce was born between 6 a.m. and 6 and 8 a.m. According to the Chinese Zodiac, his birth coincided in both the hour and year within the year of the dragon um, and this is kind of why Bruce Lee is synonymous with dragons. Okay. What do you know? I, f- I forgot I was going to look this up. Um, your Chinese Zodiac, do you know yours? Ooh, um, I, oh, Jesus. We kind of, we looked it up one time. Um, Did I think we? When I was in college. Um, it was, I think it was like maybe... I, I want to say like either goat or rat or something unappealing, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what mine is. I just remember it wasn't great. Well, according to the year, you and I, we are the ox. Year of the ox. Year okay. of the ox. Yeah. Um, I think with the month, though, I am a rooster. I do believe. Okay. We would have to look up mine because I have no idea. Month. One. I just remember from being at a Chinese restaurant, you'd get like the mat. With, like, all the Zodiacs and shit on it? Yeah. Um, I think they might be cooler signs than the traditional one. Like, I don't know. Uh, an ox versus Sagittarius, whatever that is. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Libra, for mine, which is the, you know, my uh, Zodiac, is kind of just scales. It's not a very uh, not a very cool sounding Zodiac. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess Ox would be a little bit cooler. I don't know what month mine coincides with, so. Eh, Maybe we'll look it up some other time. Now, Bruce's father was actually a famous Cantonese opera singer, Lee Hoi Shuen, and his mother was named Grace Ho Shuen. Now, they were actually citizens of Hong Kong, and because they were, uh, they just happened to be in California because his father was doing an international opera tour. When Bruce was born, he would actually have dual citizenship. He was American and ho- whatever, had Hong Kong citizenship. Bruce actually had two sisters named Phoebe and Agnes, 
and two brothers named Peter and Robert. So it's a pretty good sized family. I would have never guessed that his father was already famous. Like, did you know that? No, I did not know that. Um, it kind of makes sense that kind of like, you know, show business kind of runs in the family. It seems yeah. like the stage presence. So especially back then, um, you kind of almost have to grow up around it or you have to escape your, you know, shit town, small town roots kind of move to <laughs> California. But I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, Hong Kong was a um, it was owned by Britain at that time. Up until the 90s, it was a, a British um, kind of right. like city that was surrounded by China. So, right. Was it considered a... Um... Why can't I think of the word now? Uh, t- no, not territory. So, so Britain leased it from China back in the 1800s. Was it? Um, what did they? What did Commonwealth? they? Commonwealth is that? But did they take it over a long time ago and then just kind of? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, um, no, they took it over through peaceful means. They they actually gotcha. well, you know, at, at the you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's never really peaceful, but they technically signed a contract for it. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Not according to the Chinese. I don't think it was very, it was kind of one of those maybe opium wars things where it was Ah. like, hey, do you want to, you know, maybe chill the fuck out and just give us that city. (laughs) So actually 1940, when he was born, that was pre-communism. So he was actually born during the war with yep. the Japanese. Yep, we're about to talk about that, Phil, actually. And I'm going to have okay. you fill us in on some of the history that... Um, now, Bruce is only three months old when the family would return to Hong Kong, and Bruce would continue to live in Hong Kong all the way until he reached 18 years of age. Now, after the family had returned to Hong Kong in 1940, by 1941, they would find themselves being under the control of the Japanese government until... 18. 18- 1945, um, which must have been very bad because Bruce said later on that the Japanese kind of being in control of where they lived was one of his first memories. And he couldn't have been, you know, any older than five. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the Japanese occupation was brutal all over, but they especially hated the Chinese. So, I mean, the, the, so the Japanese at that time really thought that they were superior to all other like Asian races. And well, I mean, it's kind of a little bit debatable. So there was kind of like a pecking order and the Japanese saw themselves above all other, you know, Asian cultures. Um, China was further down from them, but yeah, they definitely, I mean, there's Nanking, there's all sorts. It was all over the place. So yeah, they um correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know that much about this, but like the Japanese are like genociding the Chinese at this point, right? Well, I'm not exactly sure like what happened in the city of Hong Kong during kind of like the Japanese occupation. Um, I do know uh kind of what we hear from like the it's called the Rape of Nanking and kind of other places that were occupied by Japan, especially like right after. You know, right when the battle ended and occupation began, uh, it was just fucking terrible. The like rape and executions, all of that. And then living under the occupation, uh, you know, didn't get much easier. So I always remember like the famous picture where it's basically them 
throwing the like the Japanese people throwing these dead Chinese people in a hole. Um, do you remember that picture? Yes. Yeah. So a lot of those pictures actually came from foreign journalists who were living inside of like kind of what were called like green zones or peace zones that gotcha. the Japanese set up for foreign journalists. And they pretty much allowed these journalists to like take pictures of them doing this shit. Pro- it probably helps with their propaganda, I would imagine. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, that kind of got stifled because they realized that these foreign journalists were like making, you know, sending these pictures out and it was getting around like what the Japanese were doing. Right. So kind of like the higher echelon, like really did not like them doing that. But your common soldiers on the ground were so the nationalist fervor was like so high that they probably thought that they were doing like a good thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway here, so that's probably why (laughs) Bruce Lee, even as a young kid, would remember them occupying where he was because it wasn't, you know, a good thing at all. Yeah. Now, it seemed that Bruce Lee, even from a young age, was always destined to be in the movies because of his father being a famous opera star. As a baby, he was on stage for a film called Golden Gate Girl. I don't, not sure what that one's about. Uh, when he was nine years old, both Bruce and his father starred in a movie called The Kid, which was apparently based on a comic book. Um, because of being born in the Year of the Dragon, Bruce's stage name in the beginning was Little or Lee the Little Dragon. Apparently, by the time Bruce reached the age of 18, he had appeared in about 20 films, but. You know, they were Hong Kong films. He was a little kid. It seems like a lot of them got lost by time. Those are kind of some of the examples. They have pictures of him as like a little little kid actor and stuff. So, But it claims yeah. he was in 20-something before he was uh, 18 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like almost one of those famous directors who puts his families... He, they like put their family in films. I'm thinking like Judd Apatow. I think he, his wife and his kids are like, he always puts them in films. Uh, um, do you ever see the movie knocked up? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that those, the, the little girls in that movie are his kids? Judd Apatow. I believe it's his kids. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. And his wife played, I'm not, I do. I know it's the director. His wife played the the sister of the main character chick, and the two little girls were his two kids. So okay, little. Uh, what do yeah. they call that when you continuously oh, hire nepotism? Nepotism. There. You nepotism go. is what you call that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess Bruce Lee and his dad. A little bit of nepotism there. I do like Lee the Little Dragon. I kind of think that sounds badass. Lee the Little Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what it was in Cantonese. Like if it if it also sounded cool in that language too. Couldn't tell you. I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. Yeah. It all sounds kind of cool if yeah. you say it right, I suppose. <laughs> now, Bruce would begin his schooling at Tak Sun School. Then at the age of 12, went to Catholic LaSalle College. But it seemed that, you know, Bruce, not the best student, so he would eventually be transferred to Francis Xavier College. It was here that Bruce had his first experience with fighting. 
which uh, he was involved with the school's boxing team, which apparently led Bruce to start getting into street fights to keep Bruce out of trouble. His parents believed that let's get him into martial arts. Maybe it'll teach him a little discipline. So a man named William Chung uh, would introduce Bruce Lee to Yip Man, or I think it's IP Man, one of the two, who is a teacher of Wing Chun Kung Fu. Uh, but initially, Yip Man refused to train Bruce because he deemed him to be a foreigner, being that he was a quarter German. I think it was his grandfather was like, uh, it was a German, or was half German, or was a German man. Okay. But, but after some time, uh, Chung was eventually able to convince Yip Man to train Bruce in the way of Kung Fu. Yip's goal was, uh, Yip's goal at his, uh, his dojo basically was to keep kids from fighting in street gangs and instead take their anger out and fight in organized competitions. Apparently one of Bruce Lee's sparring partners at the time claimed, I can't say if any of this is true, but Bruce Lee was one of only six people that were personally taught by Yip Man. I don't know if that's true or not, but apparently he must have deemed him as something so special that he was specifically taught by that guy. Or, or maybe Yip Man was uh, not a fan of students, just didn't want to take too many people on. That's more than likely the case, because if he's like a, you know, c- cool as a cucumber martial arts expert, he probably doesn't give a shit about <laughs> screaming kids. Oh, yeah, there's, well, I mean, you think about, like, kind of the martial arts places in America now, like, oh, no, no, I'm only going to teach just a couple of kids. It's like, well, how are you going to make any money? Good point. Uh, Bring in the 35 screaming brats in here, and I'm going to teach them how to break a board (laughs) while their parents go to the bar and get (laughs) shit-faced. You know what I think is really interesting about this, and something I didn't know, is obviously the, the, the kung fu... It wasn't just this guy. Like, that was a big thing. Do not teach anybody but Chinese people kung fu. Like, it was a big thing. They didn't want anybody but them to learn it. And, like, the Wing Chun kung fu, uh, it was like a... Like, they must have had clans that had specific types of kung fu. And Yip Man with the Wing Chun was a very specific type of kung fu that only his clan taught, I guess. Okay, yeah. I, I so I was gonna say, um, yeah, obviously, you know, it's in America nowadays. If you if you basically said I can't teach you that because you're not a specific race, you're gonna get canceled right the fuck out of yeah. your whole life. But back then, like it was like we're gonna learn about it a little bit later. I'm guessing, but Bruce Lee gets in trouble for teaching Americans kung yeah. fu. Yeah. I know. And I did not realize that they had, but I mean, it makes sense that if you were even, it's just for, he was a, he was a quarter German and that was enough to get him that they did not want to teach him. I suppose it's just like the, uh, the one drop though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 if you really think about it too, if they were just being occupied by a nationalist government, very bad. And then, I don't know, I guess you'd think they'd be like, maybe we shouldn't be so exclusive, but then again, it's very traditional. You know, I think it goes beyond 
at this time, you know, more than anything, it goes beyond simply just not wanting to train quote unquote foreigners, but it's besides just the Kung Fu, it's almost religious kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like it's very important to them. Yeah. So basically um, in kind of like thousands of years ago, so Japan is known as like land of the rising sun because of it's kind of where it's located next to China. So China is kind of like they considered themselves like where the sun lived. That's why Japan was the rising sun. It's because where if you're in China, you look to see where the sun's rising and that's where Japan is. So everything kind of centered around China for thousands of years. China was the most dominant. Like, I mean, it was on and off. The Mongolians had their moment. The Koreans had their moment. Japan, obviously, they had their moment during World War II. But for most of it, it was China. Like, basically, they were the superpower in that region for thousands of years. So Chinese, and it wasn't just China as we think of it, like China as a whole. Um, That's kind of like a construct of communism. Um, The Han Chinese type of, like, basically every... You know, a lot of the people in China want to be like the specific race, even though a lot of them are from a bunch of different, you know, uh, kind of like you said, tribes. Um, When China was broken up into different like dynasties and tribes and all that, a lot of them, you know, they look a lot different, but a lot of them try to get into the same like Chinese Han type of umbrella now. Right. But you got to remember a lot like a lot of there was a lot of sentiment that kind of like the Chinese and the Chinese people were like the best, even way before, you know, Japan took it to a fucking, you know, monumental level. They kind of had it like a slow burn for millennia pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's a good point where that kind of, I guess not wanting anybody else was kind of what you're saying just has been there for thousands of years for them. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a, it's a cultural thing. Kind yeah. of. I mean, obviously I'm not Chinese. I, you know, have no first gen. <laughs> this is what kind of what I've, what I've learned about it along the way, but basically it's, uh, so the weird thing is the, so the Japanese always consider themselves like almost European, basically like they were so much better than the rest of the Asian culture. They were pretty much, Oh, we're, we're, we're pretty much like a world power, just like a European world power so it's weird that like china like they would kind of discriminate against him for being a quarter german but i suppose after the war like pretty much just the anti-german settlement was probably pretty big just like anti-japanese sentiment yeah so yeah that's that's a good point well anyway back to this here um in 1958 bruce would uh go on to win the boxing tournament hosted by schools around Hong Kong. Uh, he won by knocking out the previous champion, Gary Elms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he showed up after his part-time job at the fucking... He's the gas At boy. the fucking GameStop. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gary Elms fighting Bruce Lee. Oh, uh, man. Now, apparently, Bruce was really good at dancing as well. Random fact here. He would win the Hong Kong Crown Colony Cha-Cha Championships. <laughs> yeah, actually, I bet that was a really good skill back then. For because uh, I mean, you probably 
if you were really good at dancing, you could probably like take that to the clubs and just meet any chick. Well, okay. Sir, in all seriousness, no serious though. If you watch like Bruce's movies, how he yep. moves is very fluid. And if he's a good dancer, I mean, a good dancer can move and it looks very fluid. It doesn't look rigid at all. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, definitely. There is, um, there's MMA fighters now who actually take, uh, like ballet and take different types of dance so that they can get kind of like their footwork down. Yeah. I'm sure it helps with agility. I guarantee it does and balance and and all of that. Oh yeah. Someone's trying to take you down and you're trying to move their body weight around. Also trying to keep your feet, you know, in a certain way. I imagine it has to help. Now, also, also when your friends find out you're in ballet, it's nice to also have the, you know, the <laughs> MMA yeah. training to too. give him a little uh, CTE if you need to. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, even though Bruce was signed, you know, kind of involved in martial arts to try to stay away from street fighting. Apparently, he still participated in street fights, um, including when he beat up the son of a uh, very dangerous triad family member. Um, he also beat up a rival from the Choi Lee Foot Martial Arts School. He actually beat him up so bad that he knocked some of his teeth out and was eventually arrested. Uh, his mom did end up getting him out of jail, basically writing a promissory note that she'd be responsible if he did anything again. And she decided the only thing she could do was to make Bruce move back to the United States and he would return to live with his sister Agnes in San Francisco in 1959. So... Bruce, a little bit of a bad boy streak here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it really, that is, it's it's so crazy that you move, it's kind of like uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You just completely move him, <laughs> instead of moving across the country, you move him across the ocean you, to go to live in look, America. Think about this. Do you know how much money I would pay if I could see Bruce Lee singing the Fresh Bel Air song, but it's from <laughs> Hong Kong to San Francisco. That would be amazing. While he's in basically like a steamboat, yeah. just chugging along. <laughs> I imagine it's one of those like those old style like Pacific steamers. Probably shoveling coal into the fucking burner there. It's just rusty as hell with yeah. steam coming out the top. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, eventually, once Bruce was in the United States. He would leave San Francisco and go to Seattle to continue his schooling and eventually start teaching Junfan Gung Fu, which is basically Bruce Lee's take on Wing Chun Kung Fu. Uh, in Seattle, he would actually go on to open a martial arts school called Lee Jun Fang Gung Fu Institute, which I guess became pretty popular. Um, we got to remember, too, he's probably not going by Bruce right now. He's going by his original name, which is uh, Jun Fan Lee. Now, in March of 1961, Bruce enrolled at the University of Washington, studying dramatic arts, philosophy, psychology, and other subjects. It was when he was at the University of Washington that Bruce would meet Linda Emery, whom he would also marry in 1964. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I thought, so I've, I've seen the very famous biopic movie about Bruce Lee. I was pretty sure that he met her in San Francisco. That's weird. Okay. Okay. Now here's the thing. So literally on Bruce Lee.com, which I assume is ran by his family. 
this is where a lot of this information information comes from. I got it from there. I was looking at like four different sources. They claim that he or met her, or maybe I'm just getting confused that they got married while he was at the University of Washington. Somewhere they got married in 1963 okay. or 64. Gotcha. So where did okay. you see it at? It was on the movie. No, no. It's just I when I watched that movie, I thought that they had met in Seattle, in uh, San Francisco. The, but it, I guess I was wrong. Was it the the like Way of the Dragon one? Yes, it was that one. Okay. Yeah. I that does have some fictional <laughs> accounts okay. in there. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> that makes that makes a lot of sense actually? Do you remember him? Um God, what was it? I, I actually read it for when we get to the conspiracy section. They talk about in the movie he fights like a demon shogun warrior or something. Yes, in his dreams he fights and it also killed so in his dreams it was like it killed his father too. Or his, it kills like the men in his line or something yeah, like that, that. See, that's the play on the Lee curse that we'll kind of, we'll go through in the conspiracy part. But yeah, that's where I'm saying I don't, the movie probably is pretty good, but I don't know if I'd take it, you know, word for word. Yeah. But uh, according, okay. uh, here's the thing I've also learned is there's a lot of conflicting data on him too from different websites, but I did use Bruce Lee's long biography on his personal website. So I assumed for the most part, they'd be pretty true. Okay. Gotcha. So either way, they got married um, when he was at the university of Washington. We know that also same year, he would drop out of college and move to Oakland, California, where he would continue to teach martial arts. Apparently some of the other Gung Fu men, were upset that he was teaching non-Chinese people, like you mentioned, the arts, and they decided to challenge him to a match. The contest was, if he loses to them, he has to quit teaching altogether, but apparently Bruce Lee defeated this challenger by pinning him with ease. So basically, Bruce kicked the shit out of him. Um, yep. Additionally, Bruce and Linda had their first child the following year, February 1st, 1965, Brandon Bruce Lee, who we'll talk about, has his own tragic death, but uh, The Crow. We all know The Crow. He was the famous yes. actor from that. Yeah. The So in the movie, it was at the end of the fight. Bruce Lee had soundly defeated the challenger. Yeah. And at the end of the fight, the challenger took a cheap shot after the bell had rang and <laughs> paralyzed him is that no that's 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 not not true at all okay we'll get into the paralyzing thing but it's not that guy it's not that guy it's okay gotcha yep um yeah Yeah, we'll we'll get into that it's (laughs) it made a very young philip pat very angry when he watched (laughs) that movie that because it was like pro wrestling to me Oh, he got him after the bell, you know, and then he was like, he was basically paralyzed when his son was born. So you see him like, basically, it's kind of like a uh, a road back where he's trying to train his body to not be paralyzed anymore. Yeah. So we- he's got like the baby like crawling in front of him while he does like, um, like, he- like handstand pushups and stuff like that. So we we'll talk about that. Um, I've never watched that movie, but I think it is like free on YouTube or something. So I should fire that up. Just, just see what it's like after reading yeah, all a, of this. 
Yeah, it it would be good after reading all of the doing all the research you did and seeing kind of like what uh, what's different. What's you know, what's the same? I've I've never watched that ESPN one either. The um, be like water. Oh, yeah. OK, um, I have. I do believe I've seen that. Um, I don't know. It looked kind of cool. But anyway, um, now yeah. it was after he had beaten the guys in that match there that uh, apparently later that year, a man by the name of Ed Parker would invite Bruce to do a demonstration of his Kung Fu at the first international karate tournament, which is where he apparently showed people the one inch punch. You know, he's kind of known for that. Yeah. He displayed it for the crowd. I guess they really liked it. Now, Ed Parker is basically considered the forefather of American Kenpo. Okay, I had to look this up. Apparently, what this is, is it's like a mixture of kung fu and karate, but the moves are designed specifically for self-defense, which I guess in America is probably a good good thing to have um, if a gunman or a guy with a knife comes at you. So Disarming someone with a gun. Yeah, that's yeah. number. If you're gonna learn, if you're gonna learn kung fu, you might as well learn how to disarm someone with a gun, <laughs> <laughs> or a good way to zigzag to run away from person with gun. So, <laughs> apparently, this guy kind of designed the disarming and disabling techniques for that, which is kind of cool. Now, ironically, in the audience that day was a hairstylist <laughs> by the name of Jay Sebring. Because Jay did hair for the celebrities, he would go on to contact a man by the name of William Dozer to check out um, Bruce Lee and his martial arts. Eventually, Dozer became fond of Bruce, and he invited Bruce Lee to come do a uh, screen test. Now, Bruce Lee's acting career took a few years to kind of get rolling. He would be Mm -hmm. in uh, a bunch of lesser roles, or he'd be like a side mini character in a movie, something like that, until 1966 when he played Cato in the television series The Green Hornet, which apparently only ran for one season. He was also in an episode of uh, the Adam West Batman where he played Cato in the Batman show, I guess. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, so it's funny because it's like I've never watched The Green Hornet from this long ago, but I know that Bruce Lee played Cato. Oh yeah, definitely. That was kind of one of the, um, one of the parts in the movie too. So in the movie they were talking about, they made him wear a mask so that people wouldn't know that he was Asian or wouldn't know that he was Chinese. And that kind of pissed him off like in the movie. Um, that's also like from his, um, kind of the deal is they had him, uh, go by the name Bruce so that, you know, it would like more of an America Americanized name. Well, see, I don't think they made him because his parents clearly named all their kids like English names that Robert, Edward, Agnes, uh, Phoebe. Okay. But going by the name Bruce, I think that's what he did for like English Before people. This. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. See in, um, kind of in the movie, it was, when he became an actor, they encouraged him to just go by the name like Bruce Lee instead of like all the other stuff. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure he did that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, oh, okay. I think his parents gave him like an English name and then his original real name. Yeah. Also, I did want to say too, the Seth Rogen version of the Green Horn 
was so bad that it almost like <laughs> swung back around to good. It was that fucking shitty. If you've ever seen that movie, it was no. terribly Who great. Play, does he play Cato in that? No, Seth Rogen plays the Green Hornet in okay. that. I forgot who plays Cato in that movie. <sighs> Possibly, ooh, was it? Uh, it's probably. It like, might have been the guy who was in Star Trek. the The guy who played, um, forgot what his name is, but he he was in Star Trek. The Asian dude in Star Trek. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I think you're right. I think um, it might have been him. Harold, yeah. Harold, or no, he was Kumar. No, he was Harold from Harold and Kumar. He was Harold from Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yeah. It might have been him. Yeah, I'm not exactly I think, sure. I think you're I right. Might... <laughs> yeah, and also I might just think that you know, I I just watched a movie with him recently in it. Old well, Cowboy Bebop. I just watched. Recently. Yeah, yeah. So I might be. Yeah, but I, I do believe right. it was him. I do, but think it was you're right. it was a terrible movie. You know, it's a good movie with that guy. Searching would recommend everybody see it. Very good. Movie. Oh, is that the one where they're looking? He's looking for his daughter, and everyone yeah. crazy. Yeah, he's like basically. It was a pandemic movie where it's all filmed on like fucking Skype, pretty much. <laughs> uh it was a little bit pre-pandemic, but it. I think it definitely came like on streaming stuff during the pandemic. I believe. Okay, gotcha. All right. Now, Bruce had been developing kind of his own new style of uh, Kung Fu, which we he would go on to name Jeet Kune Do, kind of translated as the way of the intercepting fist, which is the way he would earn uh, additional money just teaching students. But he did have some celebrities he taught as well, such as Steve McQueen, James Coburn, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Yes. We'll get back to Kareem later here. Uh, he, he's not done with this story here yet. Uh, on April 19th of 1969, Linda and Bruce would have another child, Shannon Emery Lee. Apparently in 1970, Bruce was doing a good morning exercise, which he apparently did every single morning, this time with a 125-pound barbell. Somehow, he severely injured his back. This is the paralyzing thing you're talking about. Uh, he, yeah. he had to go to the doctor, and he found out he had an injury on his fourth sacral nerve. I'm not sure what that is, but I'm sure it's in your spinal col column. And when you hurt something there, it is definitely not good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it is, but it sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, nerves. Yeah. If you hear the word nerves in your back, not good. You are in trouble. Um, definitely the doctor that he went, went and saw, he told him it was actually going to be extremely difficult for him to continue his martial arts and his, his Kung Fu. And he basically put Bruce Lee on bed rest for six months. After six months, Bruce had to slowly learn how to walk again and kind of strengthen himself back into using martial arts. And the martial arts also helped him strengthen his body and it's kind of a good coincidence because he kind of gets his body back working again. And this is about the point where his acting career is really going to start taking off. So this is the paralyzing thing. I don't know how he injured himself, but 125 pound barbell is quite heavy. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's so I mean, obviously, this, that, this is a it's a much easier story to tell in the movie to say that the the guy had broken his back and not he happened to have injured himself while you know doing his morning routine his morning exercise so 
that you know it's more entertainment wise but it's just i couldn't imagine like he injured himself had to be bedridden for six months yeah and uh, he came back for that like to be injured so badly that you had to be bedridden for six months and learn how to walk again and then he came back and could do all that stuff but i suppose that is how he got into the phenomenal shape that he was in he just pretty much had to you know rebuild himself from the ground up you know what, Phil? Actually, we're cor- we're incorrect. It is a pelvis injury. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that uh, oof, that uh, that would hurt. Also, yeah, also not good. Yeah, that is. It looks like a it's a pel pelvic and nerve injury, like kind of in the same area. So, not good. I don't. I see, definitely. The thing I'm envisioning is like. I don't know. Would he like maybe be trying to stand or something with the weight or like twisting a certain way and just snap something, you know? Yeah. Or here he had like a previous injury and just aggravated it so bad that it comes. Yeah. I have no idea. It's it's I mean, well, almost your worry with a 125 pound barbell is you dropping it on yourself. (laughs) Yeah. But I can't think of how he would drop it unless he was doing kind of like sit-ups with it in front of him and he dropped it on his hip or something like that but i don't know if it would cause that injury it might break no, your hip no but. it it almost from looking at the pictures on the body it almost had to be like something just gave out or he twisted a certain way or like you know this freak yeah. shit like that can happen but i oh, i go ahead oh also i was gonna say we mentioned kareem abdul jabbar so in that movie like watching him do any kind of karate it's so it's kind of funny because he's so he's yeah. so lengthy yeah. and like for as for as long as his arms and his legs are, he's very thin so it's kind of it's kind of funny watching him do uh, like the, the kung fu i i was going to talk about that actually um but yeah i watched the fight on youtube it was yeah. it was absolutely beautiful oh yeah no no the it was a good fight it's just kind of funny and you're <laughs> you're used to watching him play basketball and you saw him in, um what was that airplane, airplane? the uh, the comedy movie and it was, yeah it's kind of funny to see him but yeah he was he did a really good job in that um okay well let me let me talk to you about uh, uh, kind of the first movies and then well you tell me if you've seen any of these including i'm guessing you've seen the kareem one right yeah i've seen well i've at least seen the clips from it but okay. i do believe i've seen the entire movie okay well we'll start off here 1971 uh, Bruce was contacted by a Hong Kong producer by the name of Raymond Chow to basically sign a contract to act in two films for him. The first movie would be called The Big Boss, which ended up being a huge success. Did you Have you ever seen The Big Boss? I do not believe... So, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I do not believe I've actually seen... Um, I may have seen it. I just didn't know what it was called because okay. we used to watch all of these movies when I was a kid, but I just might not have known what they were called. You know what? After this, I'm going to find a way to watch all of these somehow. Somewhere. Oh, there has to be. There has to be some way. Oh, yeah. for sure. They're classic movies. Now, the second movie uh, for his contract was a movie by the name of Fists of Fury. This one I've definitely heard of. I don't think I've ever seen it, yes. though. Uh, which was yep. released in 1972, which apparently broke box office records that ironically 
the big boss had just broken a year prior. So that's pretty cool. Now, I, I think at this time, I believe these are mostly being released in Hong Kong first before they come to America, I believe, um, because this is where all the filming and everything is. Um, yeah, I, I was actually going to ask if these were the films. So I believe they were going to be dual films. They were going to be like filmed in, they were going to be filmed and then kind of like double dubbed. So they would be in both Mandarin and English. Are these the films? I don't know about that, but these, okay. these did kind of like having, having dual releases. I, I actually, there's, it's a part of a conspiracy, right? Um, cause Cantonese and Mandarin are spoken both in China, correct? Oh yeah. I didn't mean I, when I, I didn't mean Mandarin. I meant it more as like Chinese, but like wow. it was going to be, it was going to be filmed in, um, Cantonese and then dubbed over in English. But instead of it just being shown either in like China or shown in America, it was going to be like released in both markets. Yes, I, I think you're right about that. I know we'll kind of talk about it later, but I think there was there's some disputes if him being a Cantonese actor pissed off the Mandarin film companies or like that were predominantly filming in that language. But we can kind yeah. of... Uh, we can get into that later in the conspiracy thing. Um, now, basically, after Bruce had fulfilled a contract with Golden Harvest, which was basically the company that Raymond Chow owned uh, and produced these movies, Bruce Lee would form his own company called Concord Production Incorporated, where he would become the director, star, and fight choreographer for the 1972 hit movie, Way of the Dragon, which also starred evangelical <laughs> karate champion Chuck Norris. You goddamn right it did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great. I, yeah. Uh, it's I, obviously a meme of all, you know, what is Chuck Norris in the uh, in the Bruce Lee movie? I do like that name Golden Harvest, though. It kind of sounds like a like a cereal company. <laughs> <laughs> honestly that probably was at one point <laughs> see this it's a serial company that also makes movies see i remember the chuck norris bruce lee thing i think i watched it on youtube but i don't think i've watched the full movie i was trying to find this movie to watch um enter the dragon you can find pretty much everywhere way of the dragon oh, yeah. i couldn't find it on anything without having to pay for it so i'll have to find a workaround for that one but uh um yeah i this was back when uh, Chuck Norris still, he wasn't as like action starry. He actually looked like a, <laughs> I don't know, a, a karate or kung fu fighter or whatever. Yeah, it's, um, he definitely wasn't as famous as he would become, obviously, in the future with right. Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, I I believe he was the bad guy in this movie. Yeah, he correct? was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so it's uh, one of the rare times that Chuck Norris, because obviously every single movie he would be in, like during the eighties and you know nineties and shit, he was always the good guy, the action star. So he always um, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, basically, like he always did the the um, what is that kind of like 
you would see him on the screen and wouldn't really think that he'd be like an action star. Yeah. You know, he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't like Stallone. Like during the time they had guys like Stallone and Schwarzenegger, you know, these like huge dude. fucking dudes ripped, you know, beyond belief steroids, just fucking, fucking like bleeding out of their nose pretty much. And then you've got Chuck Norris. who's just a skinny dude, like real short, you know, he eventually kind of melded into that bigger guy. But um, yeah, remember that, trucker movie with him we watched last time we were here oh yeah definitely like he he just looks like a normal guy like he doesn't even have a ginger haircut or ginger hair color in that he has like blonde hair yeah he he looked like he could have driven a truck in real life yeah like it it looked like he drove the the studio truck like to the set location and then they said hey you want to be in a fucking movie like it just (laughs) he definitely looked like the part yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, now, this next uh, part, I'm going to tell you, I have yet to be able to figure out how this works because it plays into, um, the movie I'm about to talk kind of plays into, like, Bruce Lee's death, but mm. from what I read, after he made uh, Way of the Dragon, it got released, in late 1972, Bruce began working on a movie called Game of Death, which is where the fight scenes with the seven foot two Kareem Abdul Jabbar are in. That is the name of the movie. But it almost they must have filmed those scenes and then production completely stopped and Bruce Lee left so he could star in what will I to me become his most well known movie, Enter the Dragon. And what, from what I can see, Game of Death will be released posthumously in 1978. Um, but like you said, the, the fight between Bruce and Kareem is just amazing. I don't know why Bruce Lee hits him in the ball so many times, but <laughs> it, it's, it, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, post-hominously. Hominously. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's... I'll bring that back up once we get to um, that part, but it's like he filmed the scenes and then he's talking with a producer about getting the movie made later on, which I think is kind of weird, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you got a lot on your plate. You want to, especially if he is director, choreographer, actor, you know, doing all, wearing all these different hats. He probably has a bunch of different projects going on at the same time. So getting pulled in a lot of different directions. Also, I mean, maybe that enter, uh, maybe game of death wasn't quite like, you know, in his mind, like enter the dragon was, you know, right. Maybe right. he had a little more passion for enter the dragon. So now I he just kind of said, oh, okay, I'm going to go do this thing for a bit. I actually think that, um, way of the dragon is the only one he did the director and everything. I think Enter the Dragon, I I if I had to guess that um Raymond whatever guy told him to come act in this movie. That that would be my guess from what I was reading, but um either way, he must have known like Enter the Dragon sounds like it's gonna be a hot movie, you know what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And as we find out, it definitely becomes a very <laughs> hot movie. Oh yeah, well especially I don't know. I mean with his with his death and everything, um maybe that gives it kind of like the longevity, but also it was just a huge movie. 
Yeah. And, yeah. Awesome movie. I love it. It's very good. Now, Enter the Dragon would premiere in August of 1973 at Hollywood's Chinese Theater. It would go on to be the highest grossing film of 1973 when it was released, earning at the time $100 million against a $850,000 budget on the film, which is phenomenal. Oh, 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 wow. $1973, too. That's like fucking Star Wars money. That is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, I fuck, man. I don't. I guess I should have looked up how much his other movies made, but I can't imagine it's anywhere close to that. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, do you have any idea like what that money might be like in today's money? Uh, I don't. 600 million something. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is that, that movie does pretty fucking well. That's uh, wait, what? That's like those blue fucking uh, alien movies. Goddamn <laughs> Avatar. That's like that. Oh, one. that's crazy. I thought you were talking about the minions. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay money to see Bruce Lee kicking the shit out of minions, though. I wouldn't for I'd, an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be great. <laughs> that would that would be amazing. And then they just get fucking just snapped in the fucking neck. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Now, while Bruce Lee should have been enjoying the massive success of, you know, not not only becoming known as like a martial arts master, but have finally obtained the height of his acting career that he had always wanted, always strived strived for. But the uh, the sad truth is Bruce Lee is going to die one month prior to the release of Enter the Dragon, which we got to remember, Bruce was popular, but not extremely popular yet. This movie blew him out of the water. And uh, as we'll find out here, Bruce is only 32 years old, but anyone who sees him in the movie can tell what phenomenal shape this man is in. And we'll kind of oh, go, yeah. we'll, we'll go through... You know, the day of his death, all the events that take took place. But it's just so tragic that he hit that, you know, he hit it. And then it's just, he dies. Well, it's kind of, it's, it's weird. You, it's almost as if he died the moment, like his peak, he died. Like he didn't have like that kind of, you know, how actors, you know, kind of have their downfall and their bad years. Um, the you know, Brendan Frazier um, comes to mind <laughs> thinking about that. You know, the guy from the mummy movies and then Seal yeah. Man popularly, you know, yeah. uh, kind of like, you know, um, Tom Cruise hasn't really hit it yet. He's done a staying up there. But some of these action stars, they kind of, um, you know, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, they all kind of hit this peak and then they kind of just ride this decline. He hit his what? Well, I mean, he may have it might not have even been his peak. I mean, Enter the Dragon could have shot him into the fucking, you know, to the moon. Yeah. And then who knows what he would have done. But he, like, he died a month before this giant movie came out that was going to make him a household name and kind of, like, immortalized him at that moment. Like, he froze in time at that moment. Like, he's a timeless person. A timeless, you never saw him age. That he died when he looked like he was his peak. And that's it. That's the last image you have of him is that. That's actually a very good point that I never considered. Um, I think what's interesting and kind of what I mentioned in the intro is like so many people know Bruce Lee, 
but I don't think a lot of people have actually sat and watched his movies. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there are some, you know, I imagine with kind of the people who like what like to watch those Kung, Kung Fu movies, you know, um, they probably that's probably kind of like, you know, a must see. Like, obviously, everyone's seen his movies. And then there's the ones where they try to be like, oh, outdo each other. Have you seen this one? This little known Chinese film from the you know 50s or something like that. But I, I didn't really grow up watching a lot of Kung Fu movies. The only ones I probably had ever seen were like his movies and maybe like those Bruce Lee or not, not Bruce Lee, the Chuck Norris kind yeah. of shit, shit 80s, you know, action movies. You know who my uh, childhood <laughs> martial arts master was? That was Jean-Claude Van Damme, baby. Oh, God, I forgot about him. He, he, Jesus, he was big. Yeah. Uh, man, my mom and dad loved his movies. They were always playing. <laughs> Dude, Lionheart um, and uh, what the hell's the other? The Bloodsport. They have a special oh, place God, in my heart. Bloodsport. Yeah, that was a great movie. That one's so fucking good. Uh, anyways, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say there was also just kind of make fun of him, but never mind. It was uh, <laughs> I can't remember what his I can't remember what his name is that we always make fun of him. He's got the ponytail. Oh, he thinks he's Japanese. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. There's a, those are almost parodies, the unintentional parodies of <laughs> Kung Fu movies, like action movies. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Steven Seagal. He, he was just a guy with a gun, I think. And he broke people's necks. <laughs> that was kind of his thing. Yeah, he did kind of like the MacGruber fucking uh, yeah. Yeah. throat <laughs> pull. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, the information I'm going to give you here is kind of the believed series of events. So to get started on what might have ultimately been Bruce Lee's death cause, we need to first start on May 10th. 1973, during filming of Enter the Dragon, uh, Bruce was complaining that he was he was beginning to suffer from severe headaches and apparently had had a seizure. So naturally, quickly rushed to the hospital. The doctors would discover that Bruce had a cerebral edema, a condition in which excess fluid in the brain causes swelling, but it's as far as we know, it's pretty easy, easily treatable with a medicine called Manitil. Um, after which Bruce was on this brain swelling went down, left the hospital. He felt completely fine. By all accounts, Bruce just continued his regular exercise routine, his regular diet regimen, uh, and outside of having you know minor headaches that everybody does from day to day, uh, he never had a problem with his cerebral edema. Jumping to July 20th, 1973, Bruce Lee and his wife, Linda, one account says his wife's there, one doesn't, believe which one you want, uh, had just landed in Hong Kong. First, they were going to have dinner with George Lazenby, uh, who was apparently the Australian James Bond. Didn't even know Australia had their own <laughs> version of James <laughs> Bond movies. I learned that. Um, he must have fought crocodiles, I'm <laughs> guessing. <laughs> Every henchman who was trying to take over the world was a fucking kangaroo or an alligator. 
<laughs> koala bear. It turns out it's the koala bear yeah. who's behind. Thing. <laughs> He's got his syphilis bombs. He's going to blow up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, after Bruce had the meeting with this guy, he then had a meeting with Raymond Chow, and they were kind of discussing making the upcoming movie Game of Death, which this is where it's weird. Maybe Bruce just pre-filmed him and Kareem and then was like, hey, we can just put it in whatever movie. I don't know. But this was kind of the initial talks of getting this movie fully into production. So this is what I'm talking about where he's a little weird on that account. But apparently maybe that's just how they did it back then. I don't know. Well, there are situations where movies will sit on a shelf. So they'll film um, or they'll take deleted scenes from one movie and kind of like create a movie out of those or add them to another movie kind of like where they fit it's almost like well we paid for the filming of this we might as well use it in something so possibly or it or it could have just been like okay now that you're done with enter the dragon let's go make this other movie we've already paid for the catering you know yeah yeah you know now uh, i guess it's like how many albums has Tupac released since his death? Quite a few. Oh, a lot more than <laughs> when he was alive. Yeah. Um, so I want everybody to keep in mind right now, Bruce Lee's wife is supposedly with him in Kong, Hong Kong, but he's kind of out doing this stuff on his own. Okay. So she is nowhere near him at the moment. Now, after um, Bruce had the meeting with Raymond Chow they would go to an apartment of a quote-unquote friend whom was a Taiwanese actress named Betty Ting Pei, and the three of them apparently just sat around discussing the Game of Death script. It is believed that Betty Ting Pei may have been Bruce Lee's mistress, which the way they're hanging out, I tend to believe that as well. Uh, Okay, yeah. Okay, in the movie... This is, they bring her up? Uh, no. So basically the, the movie kind of ends with him and his wife, Linda, like he becomes famous. They start drifting apart. Um, he kind of gets like that whole fame thing going on. And then all of a sudden, um, he ends up having like the last fight in his dreams with the samurai demon and he dies and all of a sudden he just kind of dies. Well, they don't really even say like how he dies. It just he just kind of dies. Okay, so as far as we know, uh, Bruce and Linda are not fighting, but I do believe <laughs> that this girl might have been a sexual partner of some kind. That is my belief, but I don't know. Make it you can either way. It, I don't know. It just seems a little weird to me, but either way. Uh, Around 7 p.m. that night, Bruce started to feel a headache coming on. So Betty would give Bruce a equagesic, which was a mixture of a painkiller, aspirin, and meprofamate, apparently which is a tranquilizer. Now keep in mind, this was popular (laughs) back then. You could get it legally. Uh, You you cannot get this anymore. So this was kind of... (laughs) Those old school, illegal, not now legal type of thing. So oh, back in the back in the day, a kid could go to the drugstore with a note from his mom and get all of these ingredients and a pack of fucking Lucky Strikes. For, yeah, yeah, exactly. From the fucking pharmacist, basically. <laughs> now it was at this point that 
Bruce basically took the pill. Raymond Chow left the apartment because he had a dinner meeting he had to attend. And Bruce was supposed to come there kind of once his headache subsided. Um, yeah. So Bruce and Betty were just alone in the apartment with Bruce sleeping on the bed. At 9.30 p.m., two hours later, Raymond calls Betty, Betty's apartment to kind of check on Bruce, see why he hasn't came to the dinner meeting. Um, and Betty informs Raymond that Bruce has become unresponsive. She can't wake him up. She can't do anything to him in bed. And it's apparently neither of them said, hey, let's call an ambulance. Instead, they waited for Raymond to come back to Betty's apartment. And then Raymond attempted to wake up Bruce. Okay, if she can't do it, you aren't going to do it. After that didn't work, Raymond attempted to call his own personal doctor. Apparently, he called him like 20 times. He wasn't answering. So instead, they got a hold of Betty's personal doctor, Eugene Chu, uh, who arrived 10 minutes later. And Eugene, he's giving Bruce CPR. He's uh, he's trying everything he can do to kind of revive him, but he doesn't feel a heartbeat or he doesn't hear a heartbeat and he's not breathing. So Eugene finally is like, hey, I better call an ambulance. But Bruce yeah. Lee would be pronounced dead before he even reached the hospital. Bruce Lee was officially declared dead probably when he got to the hospital at 1130 p.m. So it's kind of a long timeline here of why didn't you call emergency services a lot sooner? But uh, basically they performed an autopsy. Bruce Lee's cause of death cause of death was ruled as severe brain swelling. A fluid buildup had increased his brain size by 13%. That's, uh, that's not good. So no, all these like kind of gaps and things like that is kind of where all the conspiracy theories are just kind of festering. As you can see, a lot of this is either willful ignorance or I don't know. What, what, what do you feel about it so far? It's one of those situations where, okay, so when you have a famous person, uh, you, you really don't want to kind of have the ambulance come pick them up because it's going to become like a media circus. So I'm guessing um, it's one of those deals where this Raymond Chow, Betty tells him, I can't wake him up. And he's probably like, oh, I'll fucking come slap him in the face. I'll wake him up. I'll get it. You know, I'll make it happen. So he comes there. He can't make it happen. And then he's like, oh, no, I know a guy. I know a guy. He'll, you know, <laughs> he'll be right as rain. You know, he's got the right drug cocktails in his in his briefcase. And then basically um, Betty ends up having to call her guy, which is probably where the fucking tranquilizers came from. This Eugene Shu. So because oh, you, you he was only 10 minutes away. So yeah. I'm guessing she had that guy pretty close by. Also, you wouldn't want um Bruce Lee's wife to figure out that he was at this woman's apartment by himself, sleeping on her bed, you know. You know what, Phil? I didn't even consider that, but that's a good point. Yeah, I'm guessing it was the situation was, oh fuck. Let's try to wake him up and then drive him. And then we can make up a story there or something like that, you know? Um, what 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 I think is interesting is the celebrity aspect, yes. But technically, his movie hadn't been released yet. So while, yes, he was in movies people knew of, he wasn't like the megastar that we know him for today. But wasn't he just as big of a star in Hong Kong as he was yeah, I suppose- maybe even bigger in Hong Kong? 
I, I suppose, yeah, probably in Hong Kong, he probably was. You're probably right about that. It's kind of like um, uh, Jackie Chan situations, where Jackie Chan is a famous person in America, but he's like a god in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. you know? So, Apparently, might be one of those situations. So, uh, quick side note, from somebody I knew, a friend who is grew up on like kung fu movies, apparently mm-hmm. uh, old Jackie Chan movies are the best. I guess when he's yeah, young and he nimble. was, he was a for real like martial arts actor in a lot of his early movies, like especially a lot of the, he, it wasn't all about like the comedy, but kind of like how he became known for in America. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, now anyway, let's, let's just start chewing away from, uh, from some of these conspiracies. You kind of <laughs> tell me how you feel about them. Some of these are pretty fucking silly. I won't lie, but they're also kind of fun. Uh, okay. So the kind of the first big one is the triads killed him, which for those who don't know, triads are kind of like the Chinese equivalent to the mafia or the Yakuza. Um, and they have a few different reasons why they might have wanted him dead. Uh, first thing was, we all know, organized crime and extortion, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. So some speculate yep. that. Bruce Lee was refusing to pay for quote unquote protection while he was on the film sets in Hong Kong. So they might have offed him for that. And the second possible, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and of course, whenever you pay the mafia for protection, you're paying them for protection against the mafia or the triads. (laughs) So it's not protection against like, Ooh, there's a, there's a gang of street toughs who are going to come and beat (laughs) up your, you know, your key grip. It's they are going to come fuck up your film set. If you don't pay them money, that's a production. So (laughs) that'd be kind of funny seeing a bunch of like triad members. They're like storming on this and they just kick the shit out of the key grip guy. And then they just take (laughs) off like, dude, how do you like that? No, I just imagine uh, on the movie set, it's like, uh, what is that? The gangs from that, that fucking, uh, it's always satirized, but the West Side Story, like oh, the gangs yeah. are always like snapping their fingers and they're a bunch of, <laughs> they're a bunch of gay dudes like dressed like 1950s Puerto Rican, you know, yeah. gangsters, yeah. white t-shirts and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the second possibility with the triads, we kind of, I kind of mentioned this earlier that some believe that they had a heavy investment in like Mandarin language films and they were kind of the hotness. And then once Bruce Lee came around with his Cantonese films, it was really hurting their profits. And it was kind of like bringing down the movie companies or sets or whatever that they were financially involved in. So maybe they killed them for that reason. Yeah, I can I can see actually a combination of these two is that not only is Bruce Lee not giving them a taste of his movies, but he's also hurting like their investments. So it's kind of like a, a double fuck you almost yeah. for but that situation. I don't I mean, I this one I'm kind of like, I don't know, kind of seems like a stretch, but they are a dangerous gang. We know that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, he had just gotten there. So, I mean, unless Betty was a, you know, unless she was secretly a triad member or a secret assassin for the triads, well, then I'm not exactly sure. Well, 
according to some sources, she was quote unquote involved with very shady people around Hong Kong. Okay, gotcha. So maybe I don't know. We'll talk. Betty is definitely involved in this as well. We'll kind of uh, get to her in a minute. Now, this next one might be my favorite one, um, and it's going to give you a little Kill Kill Bill flashback here. Okay. Uh, one of the uh, wildest conspiracies was that the Chinese Kung Fu masters who resided within Hong Kong were very upset that Bruce Lee was over in America teaching all the quote-unquote foreigners all the ancient techniques of Kung Fu, which was strictly prohibited in their eyes. So they utilized an extra secret technique called the touch of death. And they did it on Bruce Lee and killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I guess they they could have maybe damaged his brain enough to give him that problem. I don't know how that disease works, but <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I imagine one of their Kung Fu masters tries to do that move on Bruce Lee and he just laughs and snaps one of their arms or <laughs> does some does some super cool move and just flips him over or something. He just kicks their head off. <laughs> just he calls Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you gotta get Chuck Norris. Get over here. <laughs> Chuck Norris just kicks the fuck out of the side of their head. That'd be sweet if he had Chuck Norris as like a bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Norris was his body double in his movies, and yeah. it was obviously <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> they just use like that shitty Halloween paint to paint his hair black. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I take it you're not on board with that one. No, I. Uh, well, okay. I mean, all of the the touch of death thing. It's always so. It's just. Uh, yeah, no, I've never, I mean, obviously it's great for movies, you know, it's kind of a great little, you know, thing that they kind of do, but no, it's not in real life. Not no, really, no. no. Unless it's kind of the, there are like pinch points and nerve points that you can um, make someone like kind of pass out. I think they're in your neck. Um, you can kind of like temporarily stop the blood flow, but I don't believe you can kill someone using those pinch points. Are you thinking of the camel clutch? <laughs> no, I, of course that uh, you know the famous move. Yeah, um, the mandible the, claw. Uh, what's that? The mandible claw. The mandible claw. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's kind of like a top you can do to side oh, of someone's neck. Yeah, and it makes them like pass out. Like the, um, the judo chop thingy. Judo chop to the side of their neck, and it kind of hits this nerve in there, like their traps, and they uh, pass out. Pretty much. It's this weird, like, kind of disarming or disabling uh, technique. Hmm. But apparently that works. Apparently, if you if you chop someone in the side of their traps or their neck in the right spot, they will pass out. Um, really? I don't know if you can kill someone from that, but yeah, <laughs> well, that would be kind of like the touch of death. <laughs> don't try to kill anybody because of it, please. Yeah, don't try that at home. <laughs> okay, uh, next one here involves Betty. So some people believe that maybe Betty purposely gave Bruce Lee a lethal dose of equagesic. Probably, or the reason they think this is maybe Bruce Lee was trying to, was going to break off the affair with her basically and just focus on his wife. Or maybe yeah. he thought, if I become a star, I can't, it's going to be hard for me to hide a mistress or something like that. Um, oh, and yeah. that she just kind of overdoped him you know, to take him down. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
I would definitely, it's kind of weird. He did take this drug cocktail. Um, I don't know. Was he, was he doing any other kind of drugs at the time? Was he, cause so, he was taking, he was, if he was taking any kind of drugs for his brain swelling, perhaps like those drugs kind of acted strangely with, with the drugs it. he was already taken. So, um, this is, that actually is another kind of theory now, apparently, it's not confirmed that, but Bruce Lee was tampering with different hard drugs in the 60s and into the 70s up until his death, which, hmm. if he was a rising star and everything, I mean, really, that's not out of the world of, realm of possibility. Um, like they also, s- he, also, he fucked up his back and his pelvis pretty bad, too. True. So- Very True. Well, see, so, yeah, just trying to get you through the next movie, you know, the yeah, next scene and everything. Yeah. So, see, I think what they're, they're kind of saying there is like how you said um, maybe they're trying to do a little cover up work after he died, uh, like especially mm. with Raymond and Betty and like the delay of and getting their personal doctors and stuff. I mean, what if he was on some other cocktail of drugs and that affected him, but they, I, but I, you would assume that would come on the autopsy too. So I don't know. Definitely. I mean, unless they were able to kind of, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that, you know, someone doing an autopsy can be paid off. Can lie to not smear his image. Yeah. To not smear his image. Maybe it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, you know, this is already fucked up. Let's just kind of move on. You know, right. let's give everyone a, uh, a little story to kind of end this on. And then we'll just kind of move along. Right. Instead of like, oh, he died because his mistress gave him a weird little pain reliever that fucked with the heroin that he was already on or something right. like that. Right. You know, exactly. See, that's kind of I think that one is more possible than a lot of these other ones. But then again, if he's on this strict of a diet and shit. I don't know if he'd be taking too many hard drugs. Yeah, exactly. Also, heroin's not exactly for <laughs> the no. active lifestyle that he was living. No. So I'm guessing maybe maybe it's something a little bit more uh, like, you know, kind of like those like super painkillers that they give um, like football players. The ones that they basically just put directly into their knees just to get them, you know, back out on the field. Yeah. Kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, we can kind of come back to that after we go through these uh, last couple here. Um, The Lee family curse. Now, I think this is my favorite one. And I heard this fucking forever ago. And I think this is kind of what the movie's alluding to where this evil things killing off the you know, lineage of him, his dad, him, and uh, Brandon. Now, it kind of starts off. Now, this isn't involved in all the reasonings with the Lee family curse, but some of them bring up the fact, and I don't even know if any of this is true, that Bruce Lee's mom actually had another baby boy, another baby boy who had died really close to childbirth or right after being born. And his mother began to worry about an evil spirit that was tormenting, you know, her sons, right? So after Bruce was born, they actually called him Little Phoenix, which according to in in the Chinese language was a feminine name. 
and it was an attempt to try to protect Bruce from the evil spirits. How do you feel about that? Okay. It's, um, <laughs> I've, I've never really heard this part. Yeah. Oh, I don't so know. They if it's bullshit. In order to, in order to shield him from the demon that's hunting the men in their family, they yeah. gave him a great name. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I allegedly, supposedly allegedly. See, they, here's the they thing. paint, they painted his room pink and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bought him a pony. So yeah, it's, don't worry. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> We got a dress on, so they're not going to see the dick. Hey, it only took 32 years for them to figure out that Bruce Lee was a guy, okay? Hey, wait a (laughs) second. (laughs) That's not a chick. (laughs) Now, the theory, this is kind of, I think, the main piece of the Lee family curse that most people um, kind of bite into. So it involves both Bruce Lee and his son, Brandon Lee, who died at the age of 28. And basically, Brandon Lee died in almost the exact same way Bruce Lee's character died in the very last movie that was released with him in it, Game of Death, where his character was accidentally shot, which Brandon was accidentally shot on uh, the set of The Crow, I believe, actually, by a prop gun that had a real bullet in it. Um, Okay, so it was... It was a prop gun with a real bullet. Yeah. It wasn't a real gun with a, no, I, actually, so what I, what I, what I thought it was, was a kind of um, a blank that had like a cap on the inside of it. Um, I, I gotta say, I'm not positive. Once you okay. said that, I actually think you're right, that it was a real gun with blanks in it. I had that mixed up there and then he got killed with, um, Yeah. I don't know if it was a real bullet, but I think you're right. The cap got him or something. Yeah, there was there was a little piece on the inside that wasn't meant to be in there, and it got pushed forward. Yeah. And, so and... I I think I'm not exactly sure. I would have to look it up. But yeah, it was an accidental shooting yeah. from a um, a movie scene. Yeah. So they they kind of connect those, and they also claim that. Something to do with they were both born in the year of the dragon, I believe, or something like that. And then they make the connection as well that both Bruce and Brandon died right before, or I'm sorry, died before the movie that was going to make them big could even be released, which is true about The Crow and which is true about Enter the Dragon. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have The Crow. Maybe, I don't know if it was because Brandon Lee died. Or if it was because it was such a huge movie, um, Sting might have also had a part to do with uh, that movie becoming so huge, dressing like him for his wrestling character. Okay. The Crow but was before that, though. I'm sure the right? Crow was well. The Crow was a popular movie right before. Yeah. I, it's where Sting got his idea for the costume. If I but, had, um, if I had to guess, I think the Crow was really popular because it really <laughs> resonated with like that angsty teenager. Oh, the Gen Xers, the yeah. angsty Gen Xers, yeah, yeah, that's possible too. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it is weird though. Both, I mean, it's one of those things too, where who knows what Bruce Lee? He was only thirty-two. Who knows what he could have done after those movies? Yeah. Um, maybe he might have had to take a step back because his illness and everything. Possibly he was getting worse. Um, Brandon Lee, though, he was twenty-eight years old, healthy as shit. Not a no. Not a foreseeable, really, any problems. So, well, I think the thing with Bruce is 
once he got it under control, he never had another flare up. So it was kind of weird that it just flared up, you know, kind of out of the middle of nowhere. But we'll I'll kind of go into the that in the very last section here. Um, okay. One more person that could be possibly responsible for his death, and I I actually kind of like this one. Now this involves Raymond Chow. Now apparently, mm. you know, Raymond Chow very responsible for getting Bruce Lee in these movies, making Bruce Lee famous. Apparently, he had the nickname of Smiling Face Tiger, where he'd be nice to you and then claw the shit out of you the second you turned your back. So uh, Definitely, yeah. It's not hard to figure out what that that name implies. (laughs) So (laughs) apparently, him and Bruce were friends in the beginning, but towards when, you know, they had Enter the Dragon coming out and all that, Raymond or Bruce started to notice, quote-unquote, accounting errors, and they were starting to fight over money. So Raymond must have been kind of fucking him over a bit, and Bruce wasn't too happy about it. So some say, because of their fighting, maybe Raymond paid her to kill him or did something, you know what I'm saying? Something funny. Yeah, something, uh, ooh, kind of like the Selena death. The, uh... How her manager, who had been stealing money from her, had killed her. Um, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was in the movie. It okay. Was, uh, okay. <laughs> also, fiction, uh, possibly fictionalized. No, no, I believe that is how it happened. Her manager was stealing money from her and then went and shot her, basically. Selena oh. confronted her and she shot her. But um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a fucking, you know, and... He's stealing money, but also he probably blame he probably thinks he's the reason for maybe some of Bruce Lee's success, but he's not getting any of the recognition. Hey, so he kind of looks like an asshole in the pictures. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> okay. The Raymond we'll Chow guy, he up. just kind of looks like if you see a movie with like a prototypical, like greedy <laughs> producer, this is literally what okay. he looks like. I'm gonna Google it really quick, okay. but we'll keep going. But it is, I mean it is always that little thing where he would have probably not gotten. A- oh shit! He looks. That looks like a mugshot. Um, yeah. Yeah, he does look a little shady <laughs> in these pictures. Yeah. You see the one where he's right next to Bruce Lee. He kind of looks like Bruce Lee's uncle who yeah. showed up to try to get him to help pay off his mortgage or help bail his, you know, help help bail him out of a situation. He definitely looks a little shady. Yeah. Yes, he does. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Obviously, you can't just assume someone's a murderer from the picture, but um, yeah, he 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 doesn't look like the most trustworthy guy. Um, let me just give you kind of, I guess, the final and most common belief uh, that led to the death of martial arts master Bruce Lee. Basically, what the doctors and everything have have deemed was. He was suffering from the cerebral edema. Uh, he had it under control. When Bruce took the equigesic, uh, he probably had some sort of an allergic reaction to it. And basically, I think what they think is maybe the tranquilizer, they think it was the tranquilizer aspect of it that he had an allergic reaction to. And maybe he passed out, couldn't wake up, brain kept expanding until he died. Uh, the death on his autopsy, this is no shit, literally says death by misadventure. What's, 
what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, that's kind of odd. I don't know. <laughs> He's dead. He did die in Hong Kong. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's kind of like a weird translation. But maybe maybe it's one of those things where it's like, like that word means more things than just misadventure as we would think of it. Um, like death by accident. Yeah. You know, accidental death. Yeah, that could be. I what I the only thing that I think is weird is if Bruce Lee, if he had this, he probably had headaches of some kind, right? Which I would yeah. assume he took if this was a common medication to take for headaches or whatever. I don't it just seems weird this is the first time he's ever taken it. Yeah, I don't know. You always hear about you always hear about those actors and actresses like the famous people. They take they take quote medicines that are prescribed to them by their shit doctors for their headaches. And usually all their headaches are is a reaction to not having drugs. Yeah. So yeah. oh no, these are good for headaches. And it's like, <laughs> well, your version of a headache is I really miss not being high on fucking cocaine. The Robert like, you Downey, know what I mean? One of those situations. The Robert Downey headaches. Jr. Yeah, I get headaches and I need to drink a fifth of Jack. You know, that sort of situation. <laughs> yeah. So I know what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Um I I don't know. I mean, death by misadventure, if it does mean death by accident or something, that would I mean that would make sense. And it's one of those things too where his wife probably never in a million years would give him a tranquilizer drug cocktail you know (laughs) chopped up in the fucking uh, in the gutters of hong kong probably probably you know what i mean it's one of those situations where maybe he wasn't quite used to getting you know the back alley shit or maybe their brand of drugs if he was on drugs so he was getting some of that uh from the source drugs so i mean basically what and even i watched this fucking history channel thing on it. Basically they're like, he was just one of the, you know, one in a million people who happened to be allergic to this one tranquilizer and then just killed them tragically. That's what they say. Yeah. I do wonder had Betty called the hospital or the ambulance immediately, um, if they could have brought him back from it, uh, that's, maybe, maybe that combined with the fact that they didn't call the ambulance in time that it just it had so much time to to kill him maybe well you gotta remember think about this it was two hours from when raymond left till when raymond called back and then she's just like hey i can't wake him up for that whole two hours i I mean i guess it's not that weird if someone's taking a nap but you think at least maybe they just peek in the door Oh, well, I mean, if you're, yeah. if you give someone a tranquilizer, you assume they're going to be sleeping True. pretty, pretty soundly. Unless, unless they're just one of those people who are, you know, used to tranquilize and, uh, it, maybe it just gets them through the day. A but, little, uh, what's the hell's that guy's, guy's name from the Rolling Stones? Who's the notorious drug guy? Ah, oh, God, I can't remember his name. Richard. I didn't know his name. Keith Richards. That's his name. Oh, Keith Richards. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he's used to a few tranquilizers. Um, so here's the thing, though. Bruce could have been dead for like God knows how long, because if he take it, let's say half an hour to an hour for your stomach to ingest it or whatever. Yeah. So he could have been dead for quite a while before Raymond even got there. Yeah, there was two hours 
before he even called. But and then another two hours from the time he took the tranquilizer to the time that Betty tried to. Then there was another two hours of basically calling all of these doctors before one of the doctors finally called the ambulance. Two hours later at 1130, he was pronounced dead. Yeah. So that was from four hours. <laughs> yeah. Taking the drug to being pronounced dead. Yeah. That night. Yeah. So I, I didn't know. It's, it's a pretty quick turnaround. But if you think about people with drug overdose, it's actually kind of slow. Yeah. Most people who OD or have a horrible reaction to drugs, it kind of it clips them pretty quick. So, OK, what do you do you think probably the what the doctor said is the most believable? Or do you think maybe there's some foul play? I think it was just a combination of people didn't realize maybe Bruce Lee didn't even realize it, but just slowlier, slowly, you know, like more and more his edema was getting worse and worse and kind of he took this drug that he had never taken before, maybe in a quantity he had never taken before. But it caused a reaction that mixed with something that was already fucking with him, and it just kind of blew up, you know? Yeah, just a really tragic, bad series of coincidences, basically. Also, add that to the fact, and allegedly, I don't know if this is true, add that to the fact they had him in a, he was in a situation where they didn't want, they didn't want to draw too much attention to him. Maybe had he been at home with his wife doing or at the hotel with his wife in Hong Kong and he would have had that kind of reaction or he would have you know his brain swelling would have came again she would have like taken him immediately to the hospital or called yeah. an ambulance yeah. so he might have survived had he not possibly been in a compromising situation right i mean yeah that that does happen i mean if you think back to our princess diana episode that <laughs> kind of was the situation a little bit where they didn't get her to the hospital fast enough. You know what I'm saying? And it's, Oh, yeah. It's hard to say. If he's taking a tranquilizer, you're going to assume he's probably going to be sleeping. So I guess you wouldn't really want to wake him up unless you needed to. So I don't know. But I, something, uh, yeah, I think I'm with you. I just think it was a big series of uh, tragedies, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, and also I don't think the triads would send a woman to poison to kill you. I think that they, I'm not exactly sure about how the triads do things, but I think that they would do a little bit more showy type of sending a message situation. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they are kind of like in the shadows, but I think they, I'm not exactly sure about the triads, I should say, but I think it's more, it would be more of a kind of a, uh, a message, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I should say, I did guess I didn't mention it, but the autopsy apparently showed Bruce Lee had zero evidence of, like, any physical um, marks on his body or anything. So okay, if it was them, like you said, probably would have been a little beating and stuff involved. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to, you know, you'd obviously... He has such a legend around him. You're not going to want to go fight him face to face, you know, here, or you're going to want to bring some dudes with some guns and shit. Very um, true. But yeah, I mean, in that case, it wouldn't have been any type of, you know, beating because a woman that he trusted gave him, you know, a drug cocktail that he thought would be just fine. You know? Right. So exactly. Or he didn't quite know exactly what it was. He might have thought, oh, this is just aspirin. 
Thank God. <laughs> Give me two. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Phil, uh, if uh, anybody wants to reach out to us, if you tell us your favorite Bruce Lee movie or or anything like that, where can they contact us? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. It's great hearing from everybody. Uh, love all of the ideas. So, you know, any type of notes you guys have or any type of praise, you know, anti-praise, whatever you want to call it, just go ahead and send it to us. And we love to hear it. Uh, Cody and I also have an Instagram account. It's an even easier way to get a hold of us. Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, same thing. Thanks for all of the messages, all of the likes, all the shares, everything like that. It's all very much appreciated. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you also have one? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody Zabub. Uh, send me ideas, suggestions, comments. Tell me if you like the show. I appreciate it all. Uh, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log into iTunes, leave a show a five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. Just type, I love Way of the Dragon, five stars. Uh, if you're a Spotify user, it's even easier. You just hit the five-star button, hit submit, and then that's all you got to do. Can't even type in there. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, the story of a absolute legend. And uh, for subliminal deception, go ahead and watch one of his movies this weekend. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.